Hi, I'm Sumit Bose. Welcome to the Net Hero Podcast. Remember, we're online, we're video and audio. You can download us, you can watch us on the Energy Live News YouTube channel, and of course, subscribe to the podcast with whatever podcast service you listen to. We want you to be involved in the podcast every week, so make sure that you get in touch. If you've got something you think should be talked about, you're doing something in net zero or ESG or sustainability, or you just think you've got a tale that others would be inspired by, then drop me a line, nethero at futurenetzero.com, and make sure that you listen in regularly. Without you as the audience and also our guests, the podcast is nothing. Now, on to this week's episode. Hello, I'm Simon Bose. Welcome to this week's Net Hero podcast. Excuse my voice, I've been suffering from some bug because obviously the temperature's gone bonkers. So I've gone from being in Italy where it was very hot to coming back and it was freezing and now it's hot again and God knows what I've got. But that brings me actually quite aptly to an issue that we, we've been trying to discuss for a while on the podcast, which is heating and cooling. Not just the atmosphere, but our housing. Now, if you look at what's happening uh, across the world, there are going to be fluctuations. And we're going to get hotter overall, but it doesn't also not mean that we might not get colder snaps. And that all leads down to one thing. How do we keep our homes comfortable? Now, the UK is probably one of the worst for that. We've got very old housing stock. Some of it, I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of years old. Lots of preservation orders. We've never really done much in terms of retrofitting. And we've got basically stuff that's been sitting there and just generally ignored by legislation, by us as homeowners, and definitely by the whole kind of housing industry. Now, that doesn't mean that new houses aren't being built to be much more energy efficient. They are, and we've covered that on the podcast. But what do we do about the vast majority of the homes that you and I live in? Well, there's a little startup called Susie House, which is trying to address that. And I'm delighted to say that Brian Carter, who's the boss of it, is joining us this week on the podcast. Brian, how are you? I'm very well. Thanks, Thanks for having me on. No problems, no problems. Let's just start before we talk about what Susie House is doing. Um, across Europe, we're pretty poor when it comes to our housing uh, being energy efficient, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. So studies have shown that we, uh, the UK's housing stock uses, loses heat uh, up to three times faster than the average property on the continent. Um, so we really have a lot of work to do just to hit levels that already exist elsewhere. What do you think the reason is that? Is that because of our climate building materials or, or what? Yeah, I think that we perhaps because we've had a more temperate climate by yeah. comparison, you haven't had to be as efficient. And so they've worked much harder at these sorts of things and then particularly in Nordic countries and sort of Eastern European countries. Um, and therefore, you know, they've mastered things like passive houses and that kind of thing. And, um, and, and there's much more uh, a culture over in Europe as well of sort of self-build that's been going on a, a lot longer. Um, so the housing stock just is more efficient. Also, you know, dare I say it, we, I don't, you know, we didn't suffer so much during the war in terms of, of the course. impact on our yeah. housing. Yeah. So actually a lot of our housing is a lot older. It's yes. been around longer. And in Europe, a lot of housing had to be rebuilt and was 
rebuilt more efficiently at that time as well. I mean, you go around and you're absolutely right. You go to certain parts, you go to the Scandi countries, log cabins, log houses, really good energy efficiency. Holland has a lot of that, but it also has some very old houses as well. Again, yeah. there is a paradox there that actually a lot of those houses aren't as efficient, but they kind of don't really need to be, do they, either? Sure. Well, and, and this is the thing. So, you know, internationally, this problem is different across the world. In some places, people are much more concerned about cooling than heating, and particularly with average temperatures rising. Yeah. And the extremes of heat that we've seen over the course of this summer, the cooling is a real concern and a real consideration. It's obviously why architecture has been different you know, across the world for sure. generations and centuries. So yeah, it's it's a particular concern for the UK, the heating element, and and for colder countries. Those that, and even if the temperature is rising to some degree, mate, that with the it's, this summer has been miserable. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, no one wants to sit in our current housing stock through the winter with no heating. We're not there yet. That, We're not there. Sure. We're not there. Um, now, people probably have heard of energy performance, EPCs. And, you know, when you buy or sell a house uh, or even sometimes when you rent, it'll tell you what you are. And it's kind of, I think it's A to G. I can't remember what it is anyway. But, you yeah. know, a, a being very efficient and G is God help us. So most of us, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, we're sort of DE, is that right? Most of the housing in the UK? Yeah, that's that's correct. So um, D is the average uh, that we have in the UK. Um, however, that encompasses a huge, obviously that's the average, but not the median and encompasses a huge fluctuation. So 50%, I believe, are now C or above, but then you've got an, you've got an awful lot below. And actually, there's a long way to go from C as well in terms of what you can still do to improve. And what's been interesting has been a lot of studies have shown that people who are more open to uh, making retrofit to their homes at the moment are those who are already in the C or above category who've actually <laughs> already bizarre. got the benefit. Yeah. So they're, well, they're already feeling the benefit or they don't, mm. it's almost like, I think some people are so far away that they think, well, there's so much to do, why do I bother? And those who've already done a bit and experienced the benefit, they're actually more inclined to do more. The whole point of kind of energy efficiency is one of these things that I suppose, you know, when we've been covering it, and I've used it probably a lot a few times. It's a bit of a Cinderella, okay? Everyone thinking, yeah, let's get EVs, let's go and build big wind turbines or, you know, go nuclear or go whatever we want, you know, fusion. Let's get lots of clean energy. And they don't really think about what we've already got and, you know, take it from going into a big supermarket where all the fridges are open. And it's flipping freezing, yeah. right? And they don't stick yeah. doors on. And I don't still know after 15 years of doing this why they don't stick some doors on because I think, oh, it's yeah. not, consumers won't like it. To, you know, shops in the winter that have got doors open and heat blasting through when you walk in. To our own houses. Why is it, do you think, frankly, we've neglected efficiency? Because it hasn't hurt us yet. <laughs> That's a good one. So it's not painful. And it's really interesting that efficiency became so much more on the agenda during the, you know, the fuel cost of cost of fuel increase that of last winter. Yes. Um, because suddenly it hurt. 
and it yeah. really hurt and it started to impact people's lives and and this is the challenge with the green agenda as a whole is and one of the ways that we've really tried to approach this when we're in the way that we're looking to tackle housing is actually we don't go at it from a green agenda perspective we go at it from a, a sort of comfort and cost perspective because yeah. Ultimately, people may have really good intentions or that, you know, they want to do their bit. But when it it's it's when push comes to shove, it's <laughs> when it's painful that they actually get on and do something. This is a very interesting thing, because what you're talking about is this kind of whole thing about the psyche of change. When do you change? And many people say it's legislation that has to do it because let's take plastic bags. Right. You know. Even five years ago, we all got plastic bag. And then after the turtle with a straw up his nose and David Attenborough, oh, my God, plastic bags, choking animals in the sea and all of that. Plastic becomes uh, a pariah. Government suddenly put a, a ban on it. And I don't think anyone really cares now. You know, first of all, we, like, we didn't want to pay, but now most yeah. people take their bags. Do you think we've just not had enough strong legislation to force landlords in particular for businesses and, uh, you know, for people who rent, but also us as homeowners to say, if you don't do this, you get fine. Because some would say that's kind of the rule. You know, you go to Sweden, you go to Holland, I've been there. There are certain legislative things, certain things you must do as a homeowner. Um, but that's not really generally been our culture here in the UK. What's your take on all of that? Stick and carrot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, and, and this is a real balance, isn't it? Because... A political party who comes into power and says, tell you what, you're all, I'm going to force you all. To have insulation. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. To spend <laughs> 25 grand on improving your homes. Well, they're not going to stay in power very long. So it's a, the carrot and stick thing is really challenging because, yes, legislation will affect it. But also you're talking about something. So I think the total bill estimate to retrofit all of UK homes, it comes into something like half a trillion. You know, it's it's. It's very significant. And the government's not going to be able to foot that bill. And therefore, the you've got to engage the individual to do it. Now, if you, you know, if you legislate for that, if you make it illegal to have a property that is below a certain band, what do you do for the people who simply can't afford it? You say, you know, what's what's the punishment there? What's the what's the kind of so I think what the government are trying to do, you can, yes, legislation works. I've always, I've wondered for a long time, we get taxed on the basis of how efficient our cars are. Yeah. How long will it be before we're taxed on the basis of how efficient our homes are? And, and there may be increments like that. Or you've seen that actually the way they're trying to make it happen is they're putting pressure on the banks to have green mortgage tariffs. Yes. If you've yeah. got a more efficient yeah. home, you get a better yeah. mortgage tariff. So you're sort of cancelling out the cost. And that's, that's the approach that we're trying to harness as well. So we are looking at supporting people to both understand what they can do to the home, what impact it will have, but also finance that solution so that they're paying for it through the savings they make. Let's talk about Susie House. I mean, what, what, is Su what is Susie House all about? Uh, first of all, why is it called Susie? <laughs> Uh, so Susie is sustainable systems. Okay, right, um, but in the in the sort of so it's S U S Y in the in the sort of era of modern apps that are you yeah. know personification or they've got some just one word kind of 
Um, we just, we liked Susie and we, <laughs> we liked the concept of Susie is your kind of trusted aunt taking people by the hand and saying, actually, let's go down this road towards net zero together. We're going to be the trusted advisor and we're going to help you achieve this. So what does the, what does the app do? Talk us through it. So essentially, um, you can, you know, you get a big bill through the door. You go, what the heck can I do about it? Google energy efficient, home energy efficiency, download the app, find your home. And we, you, you input your postcode, you draw a little circle around your roof. And we immediately pull EPC data and also a whole bunch of other public data sets to understand and start creating a digital twin of your home. We then present that data back to you and say, this is what we believe we know about your home. Can you please clarify that and tell us what we've got wrong? Right. So that we can be, and we're using you know, some very clever data scientists, material scientists um, who are, uh, have essentially put together algorithms to create that digital t- twin off the back of that data. We can then apply retrofits to that property virtually right. and give you some indication of Given your location and the sunlight you have every year and the way your roof is facing and the size of it, et cetera, if you put solar panels in, you'd be likely to generate X amount of energy per year at this value, saving you this much, et cetera. And it will cost approximately this. If you put, you don't have loft insulation of over 150 mil, if you increase that, it will have likely this impact. If you went from double glazing to triple glazing, it would have this impact. If you go to cavity wall, et cetera, et cetera. So what we're doing is we're looking to educate people so you're trying to show people the potential of what you could do uh, to save energy, yeah? Absolutely. But the, the killer is, the, as you say, everyone wants to do it, but the moment you try and say, solar panels, 25 grand, uh, wall insulation, you know, 10 grand, people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. So how are you, how's the app trying to get around that? Because I like it. I like the idea, which is the whole reason you're on, is that to give someone an idea of what the potential is to do it. But the real killer is, you know, you send me that app, I look at it and you go, Assuming you can do this, I think that's great, but Brian, I can't afford it. So there's two, uh, there's two elements that we're working on here. The, the primary thing is bringing in the financing solution. Right. So we actually say, okay, we have a, we, we're working with a fintech partner called Scroll Finance at the moment to bring a link, a financial solution specifically linked to retrofit projects. So you qualify for it and the lenders are lending on the basis that these this money would be used to improve the efficiency of housing. What do they get as a kickback then? Because obviously they're giving us the money and, and they do it. They, they must want yeah, something. Yeah, there's still, there's still interest rates. So, um, but the, they're favorable interest rates on the basis that actually they're also, this, this particular product is based on a second charge on the property. Gotcha. Understood. So this second charge, it, it's sort of like a mini mortgage. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes, but it behaves like a personal loan. So that's what they're working on. So at the moment, it would only be for mortgage, people who have a mortgage. Understood. Um, they're the ones that can access this particular product. And that helps with the process. Scroll of the experts on that. I, I have to say, I don't understand all the sort of financing process that's going on behind. But it helps them to qualify people quickly so that it can behave more like a, a, a personal uh, loan. Fine. I've, you, you gave me the money, but the, the, the big one then is... How do I get the right people to fit the stuff? And that's a really big challenge. You know, we've done loads of stories about charlatans that are out there. Everyone knows lots of companies who are doing things that are not right when it comes to this kind of... Because it's a bit of a wild west, let's be honest. 
you know, I'll fit your heat pump for you or I'll stick insulation or I'll stick solar panels. So are you kind of working with sort of proper tradespeople? And is that the idea eventually? I know it's early days, but you get your money, you pay for it, and then you find trusted people to do the fitting. And, and actually, based on what you've said, that's the equipment we, we need to install. Yeah. So we've got a pool of accredited contractors who then you can then go to them and ask for quotes in the same way you can on checkered trade or trusted trader, etc. Um, and what we're able to do is we share the details of the property as well, because some people I think I don't want to get bombarded by different tradesmen. So yeah. we share the details of the property because we've got that without contact details to ask for an indicative cost. What that does is it saves the tradesman time for having to go around and visit, you know, some people are probably tire kickers. And it really qualifies people as to whether they are genuinely interested in it and whether they generally think they can afford it. So they get, you know, a ballpark estimate back and then they've got the opportunity to invite the contract and come and give them a, a real quote. You started this, I know, and, and sorry to interrupt, but the, the main thing is I think you're in a trial position and you've got it in a sort of, 100 customers or something. What's the feedback been on using the app? So the feedback is very positive. People love the concept. They they like, they're all enjoying like having the access because we connect into their smart meters as well. So they're enjoying having that feedback. However, there is a gap between there and taking action, which I can understand yeah, of when you've got a digital yeah. product and people are just building that trust base and so they're saying well how can i trust that what you're telling me is really true yeah, etc yeah. and so we're working on that in terms of sharing with them actually how we do all our calculations but in a simple way so make it very transparent that this is how this has worked out but we're also building into the business model the opportunity to speak to a retrofit advisor or have an independent retrofit advisor come around to your home and put together a full kind of plan um and that's because I think people are still at that stage where, where it's not common enough. People are interested, but it's not common enough that they feel fully confident in what to do next. Yeah. So by in, including that sort of advisor network who are independently trained and accredited, that will help to give people greater comfort and confidence. Well, you're obviously in the startup phase for this. How will you make your revenue? Is it basically you're going to be working with all the partners and you sort of take a cut? Or will you charge me as the person, the end consumer, when I download the app? What's the revenue model for this? The app is completely free to the end user cool. The currently. There may be some premium features that we include right. later on around monitoring, um, that kind of thing. But we do, so essentially we are charging a fee if you want to speak to an advisor um, or if you want to get a, uh, a survey done and they are a subcontractor to us, but they're a completely independent subcontractor and that's what, it, it's important to stress that. They are not then selling anything else. And we will also generate a small brokerage fee from any finance that's undertaken yeah. Bit, bit like, um, yeah, the uh, comparison sites and all of that. Yeah, I get it. Well, it sounds great. and I, I love the concept, but you, you just said it there, which is really interesting. People are interested. They're looking at it, but they're not quite taking action. What do you think it is? Is there something in our psyche that, that we, I think most of us are probably like this. We just wait till it's all gone wrong and then we do something 
rather than <laughs> we're, we're not very proactive in this country. Maybe it's the kind of that war thing that's just carried on for about 70 years, which is, well, it's still working. Let's not worry too much about it. What, what do you think it is that will make the shift? What do I think it is? Yeah, so, so, to, to take to action. To be honest, if you take action, I actually think, so you know in the innovation adoption curve, you get yeah, the yeah, early yeah, adopters yeah. and yeah. all the rest of it. I, I think it's becoming part of the public consciousness. And I think we're at the very early stage of that adoption curve. So you do have people who are doing it and they're starting to see benefit. And I think there is more and more, I think it's going to be like a tidal wave. And, and there was some interesting research done by Nesta and they said that 15% of people are what they would describe as in action. So they've done some sort of yeah. energy efficiency measure. Um, 20% of people are now describing themselves as ready for action and 47% as getting ready. <laughs> I've, I've read an article. I'm going to energy love news to get ready. <laughs> Before we go, retrofit as a wider thing. And I think what, what the idea of this is great to give us all the potential. And I think more information is always better for everyone. Because with that, if you're not informed, you don't understand. It's never been something we've done very well, Retrofit. And as I've said, we've done stuff on housing, which I said at the beginning, we're building lots of new housing with lots of energy efficiency, and that's great. Um, before we go, what, what's your take on why the retrofit industry isn't as big here as it is in other parts of the world? It's, I don't know why it's not as big here as it's in other parts of the world. Exactly. But what I will say is it's, it's difficult. You know, it's disruptive. Yeah. Pull down my ceiling, stick the LED lights. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I also think this is instinctive, not, um, not based on any fact or anything. That I actually, <laughs> no, no. My, my instinct says, perhaps our properties are on average slightly smaller than others. Yeah. We have less land space and therefore we live in sort of more confined space. And absolutely. Therefore, yeah, I get that. Th therefore, getting stuff done is just a bit more fiddly and oh, complicated. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you, you know, I've moved recently to a, a, a sort of a house that's, you know, semi-detached. Palatial, so you don't have to worry about I've become things anymore. part of the suburbs, <laughs> but I used to live in a terraced house for years, flat. And yeah. getting any work done was such a pain. And neighbours, yeah. when they had roof extensions and it's so difficult do you think sometimes it's just the nature of our housing stock that makes all of this like you know the whole debate about how can you stick a heat pump four stories higher on a council block you know all these things a lot of things are very different in our country to other places that kind of make the retrofitting quite difficult yeah and i think it's about choosing the most appropriate thing and i guess not to harp on about the app but that's what we're trying that's yeah. what we're trying to help people do is say well actually this will get you the most bang for your buck and often it's simple things like insulation yeah and that's course. not actually that difficult to do the heat pump thing you know the big heat pump agenda but as you say it's not appropriate for a huge number of houses um and so we have to come up with alternative solutions and there will be things that are not yet in the market that are going to have a huge impact on this we spoke to a infrared company they're doing ah, infrared heating, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a really interesting concept for certain types of properties where, and if you can make it more zonal, so it just goes on and off because it's much quicker and it heats 
you as an individual rather than the air. Yeah, exactly. Completely. Yeah, yeah. We, we met someone who's doing some research around that idea. And well, actually, why don't we talk about heating individuals rather than heating the house? Yeah. Yes. You're reminding me of a, a, a serial commercial from the 70s and 80s. I think I <laughs> get a little bit of a glow. I think it's brilliant. I really I know all of this stuff. Um, it is really clever. We're sort of out of time, but Brian, thanks for joining us. Um, one no, last comment. Um, are you hopeful that within the next sort of five to 10 years, more of us will be looking at doing this sort of stuff? More of us will be looking at the retrofit world. Oh, in the next two years, Sumit. Well, uh, yeah, that's definitely. I think um, we've got to go in that direction. Um, and And I think there is a wave coming. There's a lot of work going on behind the scenes towards making this happen sort of both carrot and stick legislatively they're looking at this problem putting quite a lot behind it really trying to see how can we crack it and there's a lot of investment going into social housing um at the moment which is one thing that you know the government can really impact yeah. so yes yes that's my hope and i think i think we will get there brilliant uh brian Best of luck with Susie House. Thanks so much for joining us on the Net Hero podcast. Thanks for watching. Make sure that you download and subscribe to the podcast. We're on every week. And if you've got a story about ESG, sustainability, you're starting weird little apps like Brian, get in touch because we're always happy to tell that story. See you next time. You've been listening to the Net Hero podcast with Summit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to net zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.